Welcome back to Northway's D Group Podcast. I am your host, Rodney Mills, and I'm so glad that you stopped by to visit. We're continuing our conversation about what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus, to make the aim of our life to be like Christ. We're trying to find out what it means to love, live, and lead like Jesus. As I was uh, exploring the idea of apprenticeship, I tried to find some other contemporary models that we might could compare what it was like to be an apprentice of Jesus. I interviewed a a young man at our church who had recently graduated from college and had served an internship with the big oil and gas company Exxon, headquartered here in the Houston area. Following that internship, Exxon kept him around, gave him a job where his career is flourishing. Here's a brief summary of what we discovered about the process he went through. His name is Jake, Jake Rice. Guys like Jake uh, are invited to apply and be a part of the internship program, often while they're still in college. During the program, they're assigned to different mentors and different departments to kind of learn the ropes. They're not always working in areas that use their specific skills learned in college, though that was included to a certain degree for Jake. There was also an immersion into the overall culture and life of the organization. In other words, the interns are learning that it's not just about what you're going to do when you get there, it's as much about where you're going to work as well, what the organization stands for, their mission, their purpose, their values, and perhaps most important, their culture, what it's like to be there. Now, within that context, companies are, are probably looking the interns over to make sure that they're a good fit. Certainly, every intern didn't end up with a job at the company, only the, the cream of the crop like Jake survived. The good news for us is that when God invites us into his kingdom partnership, he already knows everything there is to know about us, and and in spite of that, he he still invites us in to be his apprentices. Now, certainly there's a lot about this internship analogy that that doesn't work out just perfectly, but, but what I'm trying to help us see is that apprenticeship to Jesus is more than just learning a few skills. That's included for sure, as we will see in the lessons ahead. At the onset, at the beginning of Jesus' actual invitation, is a very prominent piece of information. We find it in Matthew chapter 4. And before we begin to fully explore what it means to love, live, and lead like Jesus, we need to first get a good sense of where it is he invites us to work and walk with him. So let's talk about a big picture element of following Christ. Let's talk about the kingdom. Both Mark and Matthew tell us that once Jesus' cousin, John the Baptizer, was arrested, Jesus launches his ministry. From then on, Matthew says, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Verses 18 through 22 tells us of the calling of the first disciples, the first apprentices, if you will. And so then we look at verse 23. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So just what is the kingdom of the heavens and and what is this gospel of the kingdom that Jesus preached? Well, that's what we aim to clarify in this session, because if you're going to be an apprentice to Jesus, the kingdom is where that happens. Let's get to know our workplace. 
When Jesus announces the kingdom of the heavens has come near, is this something new to the Jewish people that he would have been preaching to? Would, would they have been taken aback by that? Actually, what we'll find is that the kingdom of God is a concept that finds its roots in the Old Testament. Listen carefully to this beautiful psalm, Psalm 145. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and great in faithful love. The Lord is good to everyone. His compassion rests on all he has made. All you have made will thank you, Lord. The faithful will bless you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom and will declare your might, informing all people of your mighty acts and of the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your rule is for all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his actions. Boy, isn't that a beautiful psalm? It's just so encouraging. But it doesn't take much of a theologian to see the everlasting kingdom of God on display. You see, the kingdom of God is not some far-off place for a future people. His kingdom rule is available to all generations. And that rule is seen in God's faithfulness to his words and the graciousness of his actions toward his people. In fact, a, a careful reading revo- reveals to us that the baseline understanding and teaching about God in the Old Testament is his dominion over all creation forever and his immediate presence to all who call upon him. You see, in even simpler terms, the kingdom of God is where God is at work, God in action. And from time to time, the people of God would catch glimpses of what it meant to truly live under the rule of God. And if you use this lens to read the Old Testament, you'll see it everywhere. Even Psalm 23 is a kingdom psalm. It's about what life is like in the kingdom of God. The Lord is my shepherd. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures by still waters. He restores my soul. He comforts me. This is what God intended for the world, that his presence would be available to all, to everyone and everything on earth, immersed in his loving care. We, res- we see this repeated all throughout God's word. In Psalm 55, he says, Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He'll never allow the righteous to be shaken. Psalm 34 says that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and, and his ears are open to their cry for help. Psalm 73 says, But as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord my refuge so I can tell about all you do. Peter would use similar language, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. It's God in action, not distant, not passive. God, who is powerful enough to sustain the the whole world and yet is immensely loving enough to engage directly and personally in the lives of anyone who chooses to live under his rule. This is the center of God's word. God is at work for those who live under his rule. And so as you... Look at the history of Israel. You can, you can see from their psalms, from their history books and their prophets that, that they would recognize that regardless of life circumstance, God is still God and he rules from the heavens. He is the king of glory and will step in for his people at any time. In a few places, like Daniel and Ezra and Nehemiah, the, the writers even start using the phrase or alluding to the kingdom of the heavens. And over the next few centuries, 
That phrase gained steam, and and so by the time of the gospel writers, Matthew, who is writing primarily to a a Jewish audience, he, he uses the phrase kingdom of the heavens even more emphatically. Like the writers of centuries past, this phrase kingdom of the heavens is about the direct and immediate availability of God to those who call upon him. Most of us as Gentiles take this for granted. We don't even consider it very deeply that Jesus steps into the world at precisely the right moment in history from among God's chosen people. He came to a people that had been prepared by their experience to understand what the kingdom of the heavens and the kingdom of God, what it's all about. You see, even prior to Jesus' own teaching, John, the baptizer, is preaching this very message to God's covenant people. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, certainly, Jesus would bring clarity to what kingdom living is all about, but John's message is clear and compelling and quite successful, I might add, as people from all over the country were coming out to hear him preach and and to be baptized. Now, remember, John, he's the one spoken of in prophecy to go before Christ to prepare the way. And so is it any wonder that the core of his message was repentance and the kingdom of the heavens? It's like he was stoking the fire of this kingdom message as the king himself was about to step onto the scene. Now let me say it again, what John was saying, God's kingdom or that realm where God reigns and is in action for the good of his people is available to anyone who calls upon him. You can live a life in this kingdom of the heavens in the here and now. It's going to take a radical reorientation of how you've been thinking though. Metanoia, repent. And so... Jesus, after John is arrested, launches into his own ministry, picking up right where John left off, almost word for word to begin with. Here it is again. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Verse 23 of Matthew 5 says, he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. One of the greatest speeches ever delivered on American soil was Martin Luther King Jr.'s powerful talk often referred to as, I have a dream. Now, certainly, the the speech was delivered in one of the highest profile marches on Washington the nation has ever seen, but what most people don't realize is that Dr. King had been using that speech in countless other locations leading up to that momentous occasion. It was his core message. It was shared over and over. It found its biggest platform and clearest, clearest clarion call in that culminating day, but, but you couldn't separate the message from the man. It, it was just who he was. And likewise, and perhaps even more clearly, that's what we see here in Matthew 4, 17 and 23. Everywhere Jesus went, he was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. It was not just one of many sermons. I would argue it was the whole point of every sermon either explicit or implied, that the gospel of the kingdom was the message of Christ. Now, as we've seen, this idea and concept and even message of the kingdom of the heavens was nothing totally new to the Jewish people. But here's the thing about Jesus preaching this kingdom news to the people of Israel. They might have been familiar with the concept, but Jesus was announcing that it is available beyond all their current assumptions. It's, it's no longer primarily for the people of Israel, and, and especially not just for the religious elite. Paul, the, the great missionary to the Gentiles, would re- later refer to this glorious unveiling of the kingdom of God to the whole world as the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. Dallas Willard put it like this, 
to this point, the, the people of Israel had been appointed to be what you might call the street address of the kingdom of God on earth. He was always beyond Israel, of course, but they had a special calling. God intended to bring the kingdom to earth through the people of Israel, and he did just that. But again, this radical shift in Jesus' message about the kingdom was how open this kingdom was to anyone and everyone. He rattled the religious elite by suggesting that this kingdom message was available to those who were rejected, the unacceptable, people unclean because of their sicknesses and diseases, those who were thought to be cursed because they were poor. In fact, in the first recorded sermon of Jesus in Dr. Luke's gospel, he gives us the biblical text for his kingdom message. He reads from the prophet Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. It's fulfilled today. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, or, more precisely, the kingdom of heaven has come near. And he's announcing the, the availability of God's loving action to all those who call upon the Lord. Not some distant day in the future, but today, as you listen. It's come near for the poor, the diseased, the exiled slaves, the forgotten and oppressed, the ones society takes advantage of, and the ones at whom they look down their noses. To put it even more clearly, listen to this. The gospel of the kingdom is the availability of life now in the kingdom by placing our confidence in Jesus as Lord of all. This was the sermon Jesus came preaching. The kingdom is available to anyone, starting with the least of these. And he didn't just preach it either. He lived it out completely, from prostitutes to lepers, from little children to poor widows, from tax collectors to Roman soldiers, from a Samaritan woman to his worst enemies. Jesus showed just how available the King of glory is to those who call upon his name. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here now. You don't have to wait any longer. Jesus was even teaching us these principles when he gave us the model prayer, or what's more commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. There's a, there's a story from back in the heyday when the Chicago Bears were coached by Mike Ditka. They were having a chapel service, and the chaplain asked Refrigerator Perry to lead the Lord's Prayer. Ditka leaned over to the chaplain and said, I bet you 20 bucks he doesn't even know the Lord's Prayer. Of course, the chaplain thought it was kind of weird to be betting on the Lord's Prayer, but, but he said okay. I mean, clearly he was not a Baptist chaplain. So Refrigerator Perry asks everyone to bow their heads and to recite the Lord's Prayer with him. He started right in. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. <laughs> and after the prayer, Ditko was, was shaking his head. He, he pulled out his wallet and he gave the chaplain a $20 bill and said, I was just sure he wouldn't know the Lord's Prayer. Oh, man, chances are some of you reading or, or listening to this, you're kind of looking around thinking, what's so funny about that? Nah, but think about the real words of the, of the Lord's Prayer, which, by the way, was a teaching point right in the heart of Jesus' most famous Sermon on the Mount. Here it is from the, from the classic King James Version 
Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And so do you see it there? The message Jesus gives to us about the kingdom of heaven is is not primarily about the afterlife, folks. It's about the availability of the kingdom of God in the here and now. You see, the kingdom of God is where what God wants to be done is being done, where the will of God, the loving action of God on behalf of his people is made manifest in the world. We're even to make this a primary focus of our prayer life. Now be sure to download this week's transcript for a bit of an exercise you can do during your prayer time this week based on what we're talking about here in the Lord's Prayer. And so we see this, this gospel of the kingdom is precisely what Jesus preached. It is the same gospel preached by the apostles and disciples who would continue his message. Acts chapter 3, we see the success of one of the early church preachers. But then they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. And if we were to walk slowly through the stories of Acts, we would see the gospel of the kingdom from beginning to end, including the very last verse of the book of Acts. Here it is, verse 30 and 31. Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Now, why all this discussion about the the kingdom? Why is it so important? Why am I taking so much time to describe it and to trace its history? You've got to understand that the kingdom of God is the realm to which Jesus invites you to come and to join him in his work. This is the place of our internship, our apprenticeship, our partnership with Jesus. You see, what started some 2,000 years ago was nothing short of a revolution. He gathered those disciples on hillsides and in upper rooms and those who would take seriously to heart his words and his life, and he, and he told them to go out and to, to go to every ethnic group on the planet and to begin to apprentice everyone in this new way of life. The aim of this ongoing revolution will, will be to eventually bring all of life under the, his complete dominion his wisdom, his goodness and power under the care of this great king. This is his eternal plan into which you have not only been invited into to be blessed, but to be a blessing to others. Make no mistake about it. This kingdom may still be in process, but remember the kingdom of God is where what God once done will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when this revolution culminates, all the forces of evil known to mankind will be defeated And the goodness of God will be known, accepted, and joyously conformed to every aspect of human life. And God has chosen, through the ongoing power of his word and the anointing and grace of his Holy Spirit, to use us, his own students, his apprentices, his disciples, to accomplish this great revolution. That's us, ladies and gentlemen. God uses us, at least in part, to advance this kingdom revolution. As an apprentice to Jesus, we are living with him, learning to live in the kingdom of God as he lived in the kingdom of God. And he invites us in, shows us, and empowers us to have the kind of character we need so that we might be bright lights in the world, offering to those we encounter the word of life, advancing his kingdom revolution. You see, Jesus challenges us to change our every priority to fall in line with his kingdom. You're very familiar with it. Familiar with it, you, you might not even grasp the total message of the disciples' priority. 
We're going to be talking about it a lot in the coming weeks. That priority found in Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, seeking the kingdom is not like you set off on a journey to find this foreign kingdom only to think your mission is accomplished once you cross through the border gate. It's then an ongoing seeking of all that the kingdom of God may hold. Remember, the kingdom of God is where God is at work for the good of his people, and we're invited into the life of Christ to be his followers, to learn from him as he is active in us and around us. So here's a paraphrase of seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness. Above all else, pursue God's kingdom agenda and join with his activity in your everyday traffic patterns of life as you develop the attitude and character of Christ. And that's our big idea for today. Let me say it again if you're listening. Above anything else, pursue God's kingdom agenda. Join with his activity in your everyday traffic patterns of life as you develop the attitude and character of Christ. This is the life you were meant to live. Seek his kingdom first. More than anything else, aim to bring your life in alignment with the rightness and goodness characterized by his kingdom. And we'll talk about that a whole lot more next week. His kingdom is from everlasting to everlasting, spoken of and experienced by saints of the ages, the place where God is at work on behalf of his people, the place where what he wants done gets done. It is the very message of Christ himself. And today, he's still inviting people in to not only experience his loving care, but to partner with him, to be reshaped from the inside out, to be conformed and transformed into his image and to serve as an ambassador of the message, to be bright lights in the midst of darkness, inviting others into this forever kingdom. Above all else, friend, pursue God's kingdom agenda, and let's watch what God will do in and through us as he accomplishes his majestic mission.